Overdrive. Hello and welcome to Overdrive, a program that dabbles in the world of cars and transport. I'm David Brown and in this program we look at news stories with David Campbell, including SUV sales power ahead despite market decline. And you can now buy all Subarus online, although they still want the dealers to be involved. We have a brief chat about three new models on the market, the Mazda CX-9 large SUV, the Mazda MX-5 sports car and the VW Polo. We have some feedback and comments from listeners and Brian Smith, Errol Smith and I take an upbeat look at some quirky news stories about motoring and transport. You can find more information at drivenmedia.com.au or you can podcast previous programs on iTunes. So let's start the program with the news. In May, SoftBank invested $2.2 billion in Cruise, the self-driving startup of General Motors. Last week, Toyota followed suit and invested $500 million in Uber and is working closely with the company to accelerate the development and deployment of self-driving vehicles. Uber plans to retrofit Toyota Sienna minivans with its autonomous technology and begin real-world testing in 2021. Uber is one of the key players in the autonomous ride-sharing technology. Toyota's latest infusion of cash provides Uber with a significant endorsement of its self-driving car program, which was rocked by the death of a pedestrian in Arizona in March. Uber closed down its research and development's efforts in Arizona in May, and only recently restarted testing its cars again in autonomous mode. National sales of sports utility vehicles, or SUVs, continued to power ahead in August, despite a small decline in the overall market, according to the latest VFAX data. National vehicle sales for August reached 95,000 units, with Toyota remaining at number one with a 19.8% share, followed by Mazda, Hyundai, Mitsubishi and Ford. Gains were recorded in three of the four SUV categories. SUV sales climbed 8.3%, buoyed by a 12% gain in small SUVs, a 4% rise in medium SUVs and an 11% lift in the sale of large SUVs. Among the states and territories, August sales gains were posted in South Australia, Tasmania and Victoria compared with the same month last year. Declines were recorded in the other states and territories. And on the subject of new vehicles, Mazda have upgraded their large SUV, the CX-9, with a focus on comfort and safety. The Azami is the top-of-the-range model. Mazda has yielded to market pressure by providing Apple CarPlay and Android Auto. The big feature is that road safety features are now standard across the range. Overdrive has a video from the launch at drivenmedia.com.au. Mercedes-Benz has refreshed its E-Class range. All models in the range will now be fitted with Driver Assistance Package Plus, which includes enhanced traffic sign assist. A new generation steering wheel with touch controls is now standard across the range. The limited sport edition package features a panoramic sunroof, head-up display, AMG body styling and 20-inch AMG alloys. 
Subaru has launched a new Forester model, which is competing in the medium SUV class. Sales for this vehicle have been down so far this year, but they hope this will help turn things around. The new model includes the brand's first ever driver recognition system, enhancing convenience and safety. The global trade war initiated by US President Donald Trump has forced Volvo to delay its plans for an IPO, or initial public offering. Volvo, which was acquired from Ford by Chinese automaker Seijing Geely Holding Group in 2010, had reportedly planned to go public at the end of the year in Stockholm and Beijing. Earlier this year, Volvo shifted production of a crossover SUV and a full-size sedan for the US away from China to Sweden. It has also indicated that its plans to export vehicles from a new assembly plant in South Carolina may no longer be viable. Apple has filed a patent for a futuristic lighting system which would analyse data and highlight points of interest on the road with the car's headlights. Called the System and Method for Light and Image Projection, the system imagines a few ways to give drivers a better idea of the road ahead by marking road hazards and other important items. The process could include an eliminated indicator, showing where the object is moving to and what the hazard in question is. The patent describes how the system could also ensure everything on the road is properly lit by controlling contrast. Apple said notifications could be overlaid in a heads-up display to give the driver more information. For example, the system could identify a pedestrian with dots marking his or her movements ahead. Subaru Australia has become the first mainstream brand to offer its entire model lineup to purchase via its online build and buy tool but dealers will still be involved to prepare and accept trade-ins. Having first launched in 2012 with the introduction of the BRZ, Subaru's online buying tool has since expanded to the WRX in 2013 and the Impreza last year. Now, however, each of Subaru's models can be purchased online, including the just-launched Forester, the Outback, the Liberty and the WRX. Subaru Australia's Managing Director, Colin Christie, said the online ordering system is not designed to supplant dealers, but instead give customers more freedom with how they would like to transact, similar to its retail and servicing activities. And that has been the news. So I've just been to the launch of a large SUV, the CX-9. Now to discuss this and perhaps the Volkswagen Polo, new GTI, I think, on the market. I have on the line our good friend Alan Service. G'day, Alan. David, how are you? Mate, I'm fighting fit. You've driven the CX-9. Yes. What did you find about the exterior of the, them? They, it's pretty hard to make these big SUVs look good, isn't it? Uh, look, I think they're all of an ilk, really, aren't they? Mm. There's, there's very little you can do with a two-box design, and when it's two big boxes, I think there's even less you can do. At least a, a Range Rover is honest about being boxy, but I think um, I think the big uh, the the big masters don't do anything for me. We had a presentation from Mr. Shinichi Izoyama, who is the chief designer, and he waxed eloquent about the very gentle, subtle curves of the vehicle. If you see a white one on the road, you'll think it's a fridge, but the reality is, if you see any of the publicity shots, they're all reflecting something, because it's really only with the reflection of surrounding trees or a boat down by the ramp the launching mm. ramp that it actually you do you really get some sense 
that it's not, as you say, and uh, just two blocks? Well, I mean, I, I suppose the thing is, if it's a grey one, you'd think it's a grey fridge, really, wouldn't you? <laughs> the interior, five variants on now. They've added an extra one, the Azami LE. It has a range of uh, features, including some timber panelling. Now, in my youth, timber panelling sometimes used to be so lacquered and brightly polished that it looked like plastic. This had, I think, a nice sort of resonance about it that made it look like real timber. Yeah, look, I've got a real a bit of a problem with any kind of timber panelling. Even the real stuff to me now looks fake because it is so highly polished. It just looks like plastic. Years ago, I took a Jaguar and someone said on radio, oh, I liked it except for the plastic fake wood. And, of course, Jaguar rang in and said, no, no, it's the real stuff. They've still got the same powertrain, a 2.5-litre turbo petrol engine, four-cylinder, 170 kilowatts and about 420 newton metres. They do well. They get 8.4 litres per hundred in the fuel, or if you're doing the four-wheel drive version, it's 8.8. That's about 4.6% more. But I tell you what, that's pretty darn good. Most others in that class, including eight-speed Korean ones, are getting over 10. Yeah, I, I was kind of surprised by that myself. But then, look, as you and I both know, when you take that car out in the real world, that's, you won't get that figure. You just won't. No, 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 no. I should say that was rated as that. As a comparison, it seems to be pretty good. It only has a six-speed automatic, whereas, of course, the latest Korean ones have eight speeds as well. Mm, well, of course, the Lexus now has a 10-speed. When too many gears is just not enough. But you can't even feel them changing gears, David. I mean, it's so smooth. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's extraordinary. Yeah, it's done remarkably well, isn't it? I tell you what, this felt competent in the handling. You've driven particularly the smaller one, slightly smaller one, the CX-8. Mm, yes. I found them a mature car. We even went down some dirt roads. We went from the top to the bottom of Tasmania on some of the back roads. Well, I would have taken you an hour and a half. <laughs> it's a lovely place, isn't it? Isn't it a great place to drive? By George, there's some great places to eat. I don't know about drive, but, geez, the eating and the drinking is good. <laughs> oh, I was in an MX-5 this afternoon. I've had one this week, and I took it on a road trip up to St Albans. And it, uh, it's, it's magnificent. Mm -hmm. The MX-5 is my favourite car of all time, bar none. Really? Yes, yes. Oh, look, it's, it's perfect for everybody that buys it. It is sports car feel of the past, really, isn't it? And the drive really is too. The drive does harken back to some of those uh, 60s sports cars. I remember hopping into the last little MX-5, having not driven a manual for a few weeks, snapped it into second gear, not driving too fast, but I had an endorphin rush. It just felt so glorious and that. You've also been driving the Volkswagen Polo. David, what an absolute peach that car is. What a peach. Mm -hmm. It's a sports car in the sense of what they say it's a warm hatch because a hot hatch is now, I suppose, need, what, 160 kilowatts or more, 170 kilowatts. And this doesn't have that, of course. But they've taken their little city car, which now is actually bigger than the Mark IV Golf, <laughs> believe it or not, and they've made it something that you can use every day there's enough room with a tall person driving for another tall person to sit behind them which uh, in previous polos you couldn't do and the gti has got lots of extra stuff including a, uh, a couple of optional packages so you can get the 
digital dashboard, which I think is just absolutely spectacular. And uh, you can get a Beats sound system, 300 watts. It's just magic. What are they worth? Well, they start off at, at uh, a smidge over 30000 but then, of course, you add all those packages on and it's nearly 40000 plus on roads. By the way, what was the MX-5 worth, just going back? They start off in the low 30s, okay. and then that's for the 1.5 soft top, and then you've got the 2-litre soft top, the 2-litre soft top GT, the 2-litre RF, and the 2-litre RF GT, and they go up to, to kind of like sort of, you know, mid-40s. But as I said, of course, all these you've got to add um, uh, on-roads on. Going back to where we started, and we'll finish there, the CX-9, which is a... Well, they call it a seven-seater. You know I think of them as five and two halves. Yes, yes. To get them on the road about 50 and then to go up to the really top-of-the-range one with wood panelling is about $72,000. All right, Alan, a few cars to drive. You clearly have had a good time. I can, I can sense in your voice. They've always called me the good time boy, so thanks for having me. In driving the cars. And, here, Alan, thank you very much for your time. <laughs> Thanks, David. That's Alan Service, uh, who comes from gaycarboys.com.au. You're listening to Overdrive. A few weeks ago, Overdrive did a story about the highway department in England that will test futuristic new technology that will see speed limits, traffic news and weather reports beamed directly to vehicle dashboards. By using 5G technology, their intent is to remove ugly, expensive and cumbersome gantry signs from the roadway. Alan Finlay, our traffic engineering expert, said, I recall that Australia has one of the oldest car fleets in the world and that it takes around 20 years to completely change over the fleet. And of course, if you think back 20 years, 1998, I was driving a Subaru Liberty wagon at the time. It had ABS brakes and maybe four airbags, but that was about it in terms of safety technology. The connectivity consisted of a radio cassette player. And that was a comment from our traffic engineering expert, Alan Finlay. You're listening to Overdrive. And so now we get to that time where we discuss a broader range of topics to do with motoring and transport. I'm proud to say that on the line is Errol Smith. G'day, Errol. G'day, David. And Brian Smith. G'day, Brian. G'day, David. Brian, you have a story to lead us on the way. Certainly. We've talked often about uh, the promise of self-driving cars or self-driving vehicles, autonomous vehicles they're sometimes known as. Uh, and the idea of um, the difficulty of these things coping with um, pedestrians and cyclists. Now, autonomous vehicles, supposedly, or their promise, is that they will reduce um, the, the road toll. Um, most crashes are human error. Uh, and if we can remove humans from the equation, um, then everything will be safer. The problem is that there are humans that, who are still in the equation, and those are pedestrians and cyclists. And I've often said that that, uh, you know, I think pedestrian and cyclists will help to make uh, cities vehicle-free zones because autonomous vehicles basically won't be able to survive in an area that's filled with pedestrians who will just walk across the road. Well, um, 
the audio, uh, the AV industry, autonomous vehicle industry, which for some time has been saying, you know, we're very, very close to having autonomous vehicles, despite a couple of fatalities recently, um, have now started acknowledging that the technology uh, and their AI is probably not good enough to interact with pedestrians and cyclists in their unpredictable behaviour. Their solution is not to say, well, our technology is not ready, so we'd better slow down. Uh, their, tech, their approach is to say, well, if only people and bicycles behaved more predictably, everything would be okay. So um, Google, for example, uh, with their Waymo driving uh, system, uh, people of Andrew Ng, who's a, a machine learning researcher, is, is sort of now saying that maybe you know, pedestrians need to, to cross at, at only at designated pedestrian spaces and that, uh, uh, you know, people are just going to have to behave uh, in a way that allows autonomous vehicles to uh, uh, to operate. And, of course, um, uh, Rodney Brooks, who's a, a, an esteemed professor at MIT and a robotics researcher, said, uh, look, uh, the great promise of self-driving cars has been that they're going to eliminate traffic deaths now they're saying they'll just eliminate traffic deaths as long as all humans are trained to change their behaviour. What just happened? So, so what do we think? Um, <laughs> we all we all have to be much more predictable. Perhaps carry flags or something like that. Brian, I, I believe that um, if if you can actually get people to change their behaviour, wouldn't you get the drivers that are mostly at fault uh, for causing the accidents to change their behaviour so they don't have an accident? Then well, we wouldn't right. need the driverless cars. Well, we've tried <laughs> to do that, and they've said, what we tell people is, please be lawful and please be considerate. Well, that's not good. Yeah, that's, that's not where we're at. It's not as if we're malicious. It's, we've got other things on our mind. I've said it many times, you're more likely to have a driving accident if you've just broken up with your partner. There's a whole range of social fe features in there, and walking down the street is just as bad. How are you going to control them? electric shocks is that is that the way you know that your telephone detects that you're about to do something silly uh, give it an electric shock to bring you into line david some people are talking about uh, pedestrians wearing sort of uh, little wrist watches which would uh, warn you when you're about to to come into conflict with a vehicle and and send, sound an alarm if you're going to step off the footpath this whole idea of pedestrian behaviour being illegal in some way is interesting because jaywalking was only a crime in the United States because car makers hmm. lobbied for it to be a crime because they were trying to uh, increase their speed limits in cities and they were concerned about, um, you know, pedestrian behaviour preventing motorists, their, their future customers, from being able to operate their vehicles. So, this whole thing around having to modify our behaviour to allow vehicles, which are carrying people, largely, um, to, to get through is crazy. We, we need to prioritise pedestrian movement and, and cycle movement in cities. And really, if, if the tech isn't ready, then we should slow down and uh, not introduce these things until it is. Uh, when I interviewed mm. Paul Steely White, who's the CEO of Transportation Alternatives in New York, he said that he was constantly being barraged with, oh, of course, it's pedestrians' fault, when in reality it wasn't. Uh, I think that's back to your point, Errol, that at the moment it's still drivers that are making quite a lot of mistakes. But 
how do you pick it up? There, there's a great concern that they, well, not concern, but a technological development they're dreaming about of identifying behaviours and gestures that might mean people are about to do something backwards. I don't think that might end up profiling it. When the people with baseball caps on backwards would, you know, you would know perhaps that they're going to do something incredibly random, if not stupid. <laughs> what they're really admitting here is basically, we can't figure this stuff out, hmm. so we want you to change. Yes. You're exactly right, Errol. And in fact, this robotics researcher says, look, uh, you know, every time there's been a t- new technology, people have had to adjust their behaviour. Uh, you know, the, he suggests, uh, you know, when railroads emerged, people learned to, not to stand in front of a train on the tracks. So he's saying this is an example of, of how we all should modify our behaviour to when in the response to this new technology. It's absolutely right. crazy. Yes, I, I wonder if, if we'll see um, autonomous vehicle-specific traffic violations soon. No, well, what I worry you, about is you, that we're going to see fenced-off footpaths and over bridges and tunnels and stuff. It'll have to be very much separated. By the way, do you know the first person in the UK to die by a train was a politician? William Huskerson, he uh, got bowled over. I've just been having a long chat to Dr. Max Lay about history. Brian, you would know him. He's uh, arguably the most uh, revered engineer in Australia, certainly at the moment. Now, the trouble is computers are different to human brains. That's the point, isn't it? That a computer is trying to be logical, whereas the human may well be quite different. Now, they say that we may get to the place where computers will run the country. Actually, given our politicians, I think that might be a good idea. Might be an upgrade. Instead of Muppets. (laughs) But they might actually concentrate on doing good rather than surviving themselves with their own values. So do we accept that they've got to be different? I I don't think so. I think we don't have to curtail to technology purely to try and meet the inflated expectations that many have had about autonomous vehicles. Mm. I wonder if the autonomous vehicle is, is the new flying car. Because, you know, we've been, we've been promised flying cars for about, what, 50 years now. That's a very good point, Errol. Yes. Yeah, I, I suspect they're uh, further away than we think and, uh, and they're not going to change the world very soon. Well, a couple of things have changed, including Elon Musk has shelled plans for an autonomous Tesla. Daimler said that autonomous or driverless trucks will be at least five years away, yet you would think that that might have been an earlier possibility because they are in defined corridors most of the time. So it's, I think that's a very good point, Errol. Or the other side of it is... Is it a little bit of an example of the Darwin Awards, that if people aren't concentrating... You beat me to it, David. <laughs> it's, I, mean, I mean, they talk about it in this, um, in this article about people playing chicken with driverless cars. And, and, and I think they're just, you know, they're, they're, they're trying to get entry into the Darwin Awards themselves. Yes. Darwin Awards are, of course, people who've killed themselves and thus removed their poor genes from the gene pool. <laughs> people who shoot themselves and so on. Did you hear the story the other day that a person got killed by a train and maybe they were spraying graffiti over yes, a wall? Yes, this happened at Riverwood, yeah. I don't know about you, but I just struggled a little bit to have my empathy for the value of life. I'd like to think I still hold to that, but 
this tested my resolve. Look, it's a tragic story. Um, someone shouldn't lose their life no. uh, due to spraying a bit of paint, uh, but it, it does point out the dangers of this sort of stupid behaviour. Now, they talk about cast recognise non-verbal cues and hand gestures. What's the sign language for I've got a good lawyer? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now, Errol, you have a story for us. Yes, well, speaking of trains, when you're crammed into a train in peak hour like a sardine, you've probably had the misfortune of getting a pretty up close and personal with somebody's armpit. Well, in Japan, of course, someone's decided to use that little spot for advertising. Of course, the armpits in question are well-manicured ones attached to attractive young models. And uh, what, have they, what are they mostly advertising on that space? Hair removal products, of course. <laughs> well, you'd have to choose it very carefully. You couldn't advertise deodorant in case they didn't use it, or, in fact, it didn't work. <laughs> or you couldn't advertise non-deodorant, you know, if you wouldn't be offensive like this if you had our product because they may not be offensive. They may have someone else's product or whatever. So, yes, you'd have to be very, very careful with what you choose to advertise, I would think. Apparently, what was it that there's something, there's a company that takes its name from Wacky, which is the Japanese term for armpit, but Wacky, I think, might well be an adequate term in a broader meaning. <laughs> now, they, they talk about uh, selling it on the armpits of attractive young women hmm. only, and I guess that means that um, they're likely to be standing up if they uh, <laughs> if people can see their armpits. So... Yeah, I guess it's like um, everyone else is sitting down and, and these poor human billboards have to stand up with their arms above their head. Yeah, because you can make, it says, 68 pounds. That's, what, over $100 or more for an hour of exposure. Holding your arms up for an hour is not an easy task. How do you test that someone's that's, that's, done this? That's, that's what those handles are for, David. Oh, I see. But how do you evaluate it? So, yes. um, I mean, they had a lot of response. The fact 1,300 women applied in the first three months, so people are keen to to do it. But um, does it mean you've got to travel for longer on the train? Oh. Uh, and then how do they, they test that, that mm. uh, you know, you're doing it? So you say, would you like to sit down? No, no, I, I, I need yes. to stand. Could you please put your arms down? Yes. I can't afford to sit down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've also talked about maybe putting it on the back of models' legs, I've thought, of course, that if you've got a train full of nerds and introverts, you could put advertising on someone's shoes because they're always looking down. <laughs> always looking down, yeah. <laughs> well, I, I'm trying to work out why the floors of trains aren't covered with uh, advertising, and I, I guess it's because everyone's looking at their phone. Who's going to be looking at the armpits of, of the people? Yes. Mm. Gentlemen, always good to talk to you. How about we catch up again next week? Right, right. to see you. And that was Brian Smith and Errol Smith here on Overdrive, where we were talking some quirky news. And this has been Overdrive. My thanks to David Campbell, Alan Zervis, Brian Smith, Errol Smith and Paul Just for their great help during the program. Overdrive can be heard across Australia on the Community Radio Network. For more information, go to drivenmedia.com.au or podcast previous programs on iTunes. 
I'm David Brown. Thanks for listening.